0: just have your ears before you kind of start having conversations around the offering baskets and the tithing envelopes. Ben's just um, spoke something to me, and as he was speaking, the Spirit was quite clear in something. We can just turn the music off. Would that be all right? We experienced something. We experienced the move of God in three ways this morning. Exuberant worship. Singing our hearts out to God, clapping our hands till they're sore, jumping up and down till our ankles hurt. We also experienced something really practical. We, we moved under that kind of parachute of blessing. And for those of you who did that, you were blessed by the children. Believe that, even if you're not kind of seeing it right now. Believe it, that you have now received God's blessings this morning. And the third thing we did was experience... Just meditating on who he is. So, exuberance, practicality, and just meditating on who he is. And so the word is to encourage you to take that into your weeks. To take that into this coming week. That however God speaks to you, or however you open your eyes to him, to encounter him, you can do it. Lots of different ways, but this morning there was three ways in which you can take what you've experienced this morning into the week. And that these times together aren't just for Sunday mornings, but it's for us 24-7. And what I would ask, because, wow, God's clearly doing something amazing with us at the beginning of this year. You know, we're, we're, we're recognizing his presence and that he's here amongst us. <laughs> and and, it, and it's, it's phenomenal And we've got to We've got to do our bit Our part in that And by and doing that One way of doing that Is to bring story Is to bring testimony Of what he has said What he has done How you've encountered him So those three ways Do something like that During the week Put on the CD player Exuberantly worship him Read his word Talk to him, be blessed by his word, pray, spend time devoting yourself to him. And then at other times in the week, maybe just just sit. Maybe you could be outside walking or running and you just contemplate the creation all around you. Because we believe as you do that, God will speak to you and things will happen that will just seem Supernatural so the encouragement is so we can bring testimony next week and the week after and that we can share it in our life groups so just I'm not going to speak anymore so just bear that in mind what I would like to do now is to introduce to you a wonderful man of god who's had a brilliant holiday where he's seen some of the majesty of god's creation and finally god has given us opportunity to bring his vision for 2012. is going to bring and present the first week in presenting our vision for 2012 and beyond. So I've done enough kind of radio talk to give him time to get to the back to bring the microphone to the front. So let's just give him a warm, warm welcome. Thank you.
1: I'm just going to test this. Can you hear me okay? Fantastic, Do you know, brilliant, brilliant, marvellous. Um, it's wonderful to be back. Uh, as Mark said, Kate and I, we, we were not here for the last two weeks and we've been hearing some fantastic stories just of uh, how God has been at work and uh, it's, it's lovely, actually, to come back in to an environment and find that um, it's not... Something that happens week to week, but actually there's a there's a flow going on, and uh, I felt myself as uh, you know just being part of it all. That um, God is actually doing something. He's he is creating conditions in which we are being not just prepared but propelled almost into this incredible purpose that he has of seeing that kingdom built, the one that Kevin was talking about. Um, So all of this is for a purpose. Um, Do you know, I, I love it when we as the people of God come together and we can have an expectation of when we come in, when we meet with one another. You think, God, what... What are we going to walk into this morning? And it is different, isn't it? It's not like when we're on our own. But when we come together, God is actually there. He's present with us in the body. And I think that's just a a fantastic thing. Um, We've heard already, Sarah spoke this morning about um, the experience she had yesterday yesterday which to her, and I I think um, I understand it this way, was the the clash, if you like, of kingdoms. So Sarah, representing the kingdom of God, um, as she moves out, she finds that there was opposition coming back again. So her stance for the kingdom was meeting a challenge from another quarter. And all I want to do is just label that and say that is the domain of darkness and it stands in opposition to the kingdom of God. And what we are about in this world is actually seeing that drama being played out not just as spectators but we are part of that drama. And both in word and in prayer we are able to bring the um, the authority of this kingdom of God that we represent to challenge and to bring down that which is in opposition anything which is in opposition to Christ Uh, I love the fact that um, it's not just about word it's not just about prayer but there is that whole dimension of sign and wonder and supernatural activity which is about dispossessing the enemy of territory that he thought he had hold of that he thought he had claim to that he thought he'd got the rights to and I'm sorry but the people of God have arrived and we've announced a different kingdom we've said I'm sorry but you're going to have to yield up what rightfully belongs to the king of kings um, So. Really, all I want to do this morning is just to paint a bit of a picture about that conflict that we're involved in and help us to understand that actually uh, there is no grey area. It is either the kingdom of God or it's the the domain of this world, the domain of darkness. Um, to help us to uh, recognize the difference and to be able also to understand what it is, th- how is it that we then become kingdom builders? Because that's what we are going to be in 2012 and beyond. Uh, Sarah, if you could just flick through the next couple of slides, Thank you. Um, that, by the way, is a, is a gyroscope. It's one of those things they take to see and it... it Whichever direction you're pointing, it tells you what your true direction should be. And that's how we want to work this year. There is a um, an episode in the life of Jesus where it's a confrontation between him and Pontius Pilate. Do you remember... Um, the whole kind of sham trial that went on and the way in which Jesus was brought before the governing authorities and here is Jesus the king of kings standing before the representative of what at that time was the supreme world government I mean it's so We use that word iconic, don't we? And I think it's overused. But in a sense, it stands for something. Here was the king of kings confronting the kingdom of this world. And Pilate asks him a question. He says to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus comes out with this amazing statement. He says, my kingdom is not... Of this world. If it were. My servants would fight. To prevent my arrest. But now. My kingdom. Is from another place. In other words. What he was doing was. Pointing out that. To Pilate. That my kingdom. In the way that it works. In where it comes from is completely different from everything that you stand for. Just bring that back up into the 21st century. Everything that we stand for is different from what we see in operation in the world around us. If you like, we've used this term, we're to be kingdom builders not empire builders we are not building according to the world's pattern we are not building what the world would offer us we're not building according to man's instincts but we are building something which is completely different in its origin and its method jesus actually went on to t- to say to pilate he said <clears throat> Well, Pilate says to him, you're a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. That word truth can be translated as reality. Jesus said, this was the reason I came, was to show you the reality we, heirs of the kingdom, sons and daughters of the kingdom, are here to demonstrate to the world a different reality. By the people we are, the way we live, how we conduct ourselves, we are a different kind of people. And I think this is a really poignant statement. Pilate actually says to Jesus, he says, what is reality? And he's standing right in front of the person who can show him. So this is who we're called to be. We're builders of a kingdom which is nothing like this world that we live in and the way that it operates. And what I want to do just for a few minutes is just to make some contrasts between this kingdom that we live for and what you might call this world or the empires which it sustains. Now, bear this in mind. All I want to do, I just want to remind us that we have been commissioned as ambassadors of a totally new order of government We are ambassadors of a totally new order of government. So let's actually just contrast some of those things, can we? If you can flick to the next one, Sarah. Okay, so I've already touched on this, but the, the source of this kingdom in contrast to the world. Heaven is our source. When Jesus said, my kingdom is from another place, He was saying, the realm that I occupy, the realm that I govern, is this realm of heaven. And God's intent is that heaven should fill the earth. By contrast, the origin of everything else that we see around us is this world. This world and its systems. Okay, next one, Sarah, thank you. Who governs? um, Kevin, where is he? He was reading from Daniel this morning. Fantastic book. If you've never read it, get in there. I mean, some of it is a bit kind of, you know. But the basic question that that book is answering is this. Who rules? Who rules? In the kingdom of God, the headship is Christ. In the world, man in his folly has come to imagine that he himself rules. And we see, don't we? We look at the mess that man in his government apart from God has brought about. Okay, next one. What's the foundation of this kingdom? This, its foundation is Jesus' own nature. So he is about actually reproducing himself through this kingdom. In contrast, this world is founded on the sinful nature, the, the nature of man that's apart from God, that separated himself from God, and everything that we see reflects what that nature is like. Who's at work in this kingdom? When Jesus ascended to the throne, he poured out his coronation gift the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come and is now at work in the world. Not just in the church, but the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. Praise God. So don't be surprised in your day-to-day living where you bump up against something you think, wow, that was the Holy Ghost. Don't let's be surprised. Let's be those who are so tuned in that we understand and see the ways of the Spirit at work. By contrast, the kingdom of this world is governed by the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of the power of the air, who's at work, Ephesians tells us, In the sons of disobedience. So, again, we just see that this is so different. And the Holy Spirit, bear in mind, the Holy Spirit has come to reveal the Christ, to make him known, to show, to put on display who Jesus is. I love this, don't you, that the Holy Spirit is not about promoting himself. He is about elevating the Christ. Okay, next one. Um, How does the kingdom go about its influence? Well, somebody, I think again, was it you Kevin, talked about the servant king? Yeah. Thank you. for. (laughs) But Jesus came to serve. Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that's who we are. We've come and we're here to serve this world in which we live. The world, by contrast, exercises its influence through these kind of things. And they're subtle very often, but domination, manipulation, control. Um, People are about getting their own way. Next one, Sarah, please. Um, I've already touched on this. The purpose of the kingdom is to elevate Christ, the king of the kingdom. Uh, The world is about elevating man. In the kingdom, our dependency is upon God. We look to him. He is our source. Whereas in the world, we are almost sentenced to depend upon ourselves. It is a curse because we are not big enough. Next one, Sarah. Thank you. And the motivation of the kingdom? Well, it's love. Um, God loved the world so much. The whole world. Not just you and me. The whole world. The whole cosmos. God loved everything that he created so much that he sent his son. And Jesus has introduced us, hasn't he? To the way of love. Love God, love one another, love your neighbor. Our perspective in this kingdom is one which sees the eternal, the eternal nature of God himself, whereas in the world we're just caught up with things which are simply time-bound, things which just are calling for our attention in the here and now, but actually in the kingdom we see with a different perspective. I've called this glue. But what is it that holds us together in the kingdom? And it's this. It's a devotion to Christ. That's what causes us to stick. Whereas in the world so often, it's which club do I belong to? Or which which group am I part of? Or I belong to this Culture or I'm part of this particular social group and along with it comes all of those negative things. Not like, please don't understand me, I'm not knocking culture. I'm not knocking what our differences because I believe those are God given. But if we start to identify those things as being what connects us, we distance ourselves from other people and those things degenerate into prejudice. So our glue is first of all devotion to Jesus. Our outlook In the Kingdom our outlook is to give away. Our outlook is to bless. Our outlook is to be generous. Whereas in the world it's flipped the other way around. Isn't that, it's true isn't it? These are just the opposites of one another. That in the world the primary thing is about satisfying my desires, satisfying what's good for me. But in the Kingdom it's the opposite. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Our focus by contrast to, you know, it's just what's good for me. Our focus is on his interest. If you like, you could define the kingdom as that. Is pursuing his interest. What's he after? And these all of these really are attitudes that we're talking about here. What's it like? when we have a dispute. And let's not kid ourselves. In the kingdom, we do have disputes, don't we? We do kind of bounce off each other. But our attitude, when we have a dispute in the kingdom, is characterized by these kind of attitudes. One of humility. I'm not trying to win it over you. One of restoration. I want the relationship to be restored. And I want to extend forgiveness. That is our medium of exchange. Whereas in the world... It's often about these kind of things. We either want revenge, we want to retaliate, we want to say, you owe me, pay me back. So our attitude is different. When we look at our life's situation, circumstances, in the kingdom, because the king rules, because we know he has our interest at heart, we can be content. Without that, I am, I'm frustrated or I'm anxious. Next one, Sarah. Which leads to my view of the future. I can confidently say, God, you are the God of my future. You are the God of our future. Without that, I'm prone to anxiety, worry. Jesus said, didn't he? Don't be worried about tomorrow. And lastly, In the kingdom, our attitude to freedom, and isn't it true our society is so hung up about about our freedoms, but in the kingdom, freedom leads to liberty. Whereas all that happens, if I give you freedom without the constraint of who God is in my life, I just end up wrecking myself. Through a life of indulgence or legalism or something which is damaging me. But God has brought us into liberty. I hope those things are helpful. But just let me point out, they are sharply contrasted with each other. If we're not building in one, we will slip and build according to the other. So that's our challenge. But praise God for one another. We can help ourselves on that journey. Okay. Um, actually I'm not sure I I think I was going to suggest that we just had some conversation around the table here I'm going to move it on actually Um, because there's just one other thing I want to bring to us and for the sake of time but these are things that you might actually want to just talk about you know at some point when you're together in life groups or whatever just think about how we observe those different characteristics and contrasts between the way that the world lives and the way that Jesus has set a model for us in the kingdom. Okay. Um, So, building the kingdom, how do we do it? It's um, typical, isn't it, of scripture? It will use uh, this... Idea, it's like clothing. You take something off and you put something on. And it's like that in the kingdom. We put off our old way and we put on something new. But um, In one of John's letters, he says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. So put off all that stuff that we were just looking at. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we put off all of that. The world and its desires pass away. And we put on what he says next. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Remember, when Jesus taught us to pray Your kingdom come, your will. done the man who does the will of God lives forever it's an expression right there as we do the will of God we are building the kingdom so let's look at that for a moment just doing the will of God as a way of thinking about how we build the kingdom and I just want to bring us two aspects one personal and one public or if you like the personal and the public cover if you like what I want to say next Um, they overlap they're complementary and the first of the first area the personal if we will sow to the spirit live the supernatural life that God has given us and yield we will yield its fruit and its power now what I want to do now I just want to read and uh, you'll see them on the screen I want to read uh, a passage from Galatians and I want us just to listen and let let the word nourish you let the word wash over you Jesus said this didn't he He said you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you the word of God has that kind of effect So as you listen, just allow the word to feed your spirit, okay? Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, and I'm reading this from the message. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this. Live freely. Animated and motivated by God's Spirit, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful selfish interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way, according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Galatians 513 to 26. Take it away, go, read it again, meditate on it. And that I've talked about is in relation to the personal sphere, the, the realm where we, in our own individual lives, begin to build the kingdom. And I want to talk now just quickly about the public sphere. In Matthew 6:33, Jesus says this, "But seek first his righteousness, sorry, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Psalm 89 verse 14 tells us that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The seat of government in this kingdom has as its foundations righteousness and justice. Now I just want you to look at that slide a moment. And I've put in there two words taken from the Hebrew. The first one, righteousness. Tzadikah and justice, mishpat, are words which occur literally hundreds of times in the uh, scriptures and they are often coupled together. Why am I bringing those out? Well, for a very simple reason. That righteousness, as we've understood it, I believe in our kind of Western Christianity, is too narrow. I'm going to ask Kate if she would read um, just a short bit from I'm looking for a microphone. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, I'm asking, this is um, by a guy called Timothy Keller and he explains these to us. And I want if Kate would if just read it for us.
2: This uh, short passage is headed, Justice is Right Relationships. We must have a strong concern for the poor, but there is more to the biblical idea of justice than that. We get more insight when we consider a second Hebrew word that can be translated as being just, though it's usually translated as being righteous. The word is tzadikah and it refers to a life (coughs) of right relationships. Bible scholar Alec Mottier defines righteous as those right with God and therefore committed to putting right all other relationships in life. This means then that biblical righteousness is inevitably social because it's about relationships. When most modern people see the word righteousness in the Bible, they tend to think of it in terms of private morality, such as sexual chastity or diligence in prayer and Bible study. But in the Bible Sadika refers to day to day living, in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity and equity. It's not surprising then to discover that tzaddikah and mishpat are brought together scores of times in the Bible. These two words roughly correspond to what some have called primary and rectifying justice. Rectifying justice is mishpat. It means punishing wrongdoers and caring for the victims of unjust treatment. Primary justice, or tzaddikah is behavior that, if it was prevalent in the world, would render rectifying justice unnecessary because everyone would be living in right relationship to everyone else. Therefore, though tzaddikah is primarily about being in a right relationship with God, the righteous life that results is profoundly social. A passage in the book of Job illustrates what this kind of righteous or just living person looks like. And this is Job 29, verses 12 to 17. I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness, that's tzaddikah, as my clothing. Justice, mishpat, was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the immigrant. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth.
1: Thank you. I'm not going to talk about those in any more detail, but I just want to throw them out there because... When Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, that's what he was after. Now that has got implications for us. As we are talking about building the kingdom, it's not just about how we conduct ourselves in our personal lives and how we um, attend to those things that we may regard in our personal sphere. But God is also saying, no, righteousness is about community. Righteousness is about relationships. And so all I want to do is just to put up some thoughts about where this is going for us. And Mark is going to be talking a bit more about this, hopefully, if we get to it next week. Some of the ingredients. We want to put an emphasis much more on living local. So recognizing the nature of who we are as a people, that we come from many different parts of the city, that actually there's something for us in our own localities that is going to be capable of being worked out. We want prayer to be foundational to everything that we do. So not just as we come together corporately like this, but in our ones and twos, in our life groups, or however we're expressing those things, that we are understanding that there is this vital relationship that we have with heaven, that is going to cause things to unlock and to produce. Uh, I saw Pat carrying the keys earlier on. Don't know where they've gone. Somewhere. Thank you. Um, God gave us those keys as a prophetic sign. It's all right, Stu. Just hold him up, mate. Thank you. Um, that we are. We are being commissioned and empowered by God to set the captive free, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. It's part of our calling, but that is something which begins in the, in the realm of the unseen. So prayer is going to be foundational for us. Um, and what we also want to do is work with others in our localities to bless our neighbours by doing good. Like Sarah was just saying right earlier on, God, in his heart, is just aching to bless, to bless the world. He said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Through you, all families on earth will be blessed. Now that begins with doing good. And because this is not our kingdom that we're building, but because it's his kingdom then wherever we are, we can associate with those people who have a similar motivation. It doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as it's him. So we want to see that working out over the course this coming year. And we will be talking about how those things work through in practice. Um, Just to conclude, I love this um, little cameo that Paul gives at the end of his letter to the Roman church uh, and he makes this incredible claim and he says, I've preached the gospel fully all the way from Jerusalem right round as far as Albania. I mean, that was quite a claim, wasn't it? I mean, he, uh, I think the Jewish word is chutzpah, isn't it? Um, you know, he he he, he got some... <laughs> yeah, um, I won't say the other word. Um but he's claiming that he he preached the gospel fully. And it's almost like he's saying, well, I can't go anywhere else. I've done it. Um, but he he then says, I did it like this. I did it by word and deed. So in what I said, through my actions, my good works, and... By the power of signs and wonders, by the Spirit of God, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So, in this, mm, this incredible enterprise that we've been called to, that is what we're going to do. By word and deed, through sign and wonder, all by the power of God, we're going to see this gospel preached. Amen? Hallelujah. God, you're good. Father, we, oh, you are, you've been so, so rich to us. And uh, Father, we're incredibly grateful that you have called us to nothing less than this great cosmic plan that you have to see Jesus named above everything else, in every. Sphere, every corner, every nook and every cranny of every part of your creation, Lord. And uh, Father, we just say thank you that you are preparing us and creating the conditions for us to succeed. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a brilliant week. Um, Enjoy this stuff, will you? No, wherever you go, God goes with you. Amen.
0: The word for today you're going to be able to find on our website, citychurchleads.net. We've also got a Facebook page, just search for City Church Leads. And if you're a person of a tweeter and inclination, you can find us also at at City Church Leads. So do a search there. Um, Guys, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week. For those who are part of life groups, have a great life group. Life groups are going to be vital in, uh, in enabling us to at work this vision in 2012, so like I say, I'll be very much more practical in the weeks to come. Um, so, yeah, have a great week. There's no teas and coffees, because you had those at the beginning. God bless you. But if we could all stand and receive God's blessing, all stand right now before we go. Get excited about this bit. This bit's brilliant. Don't fall asleep just yet. Dinner's coming. Just get your hands out. Hold your hands out if you want to receive God's blessing. If you don't, hold your hands out. I don't think you want to receive God's blessing, and that's just weird. So... Hold your hands out. We're going to read from Numbers 6, 24, 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give each and every one of you peace. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus.